Hey guys, this is Steven, and I want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, which is Anchor. Anchor is free and super user friendly, as well as it is a platform that distributes each episode to all the streaming platforms that you love, such as iTunes, Spotify, and many more. Last but not least, it also has all the tools in the app itself to help you start your own podcast today. So start your very own podcast today by downloading the Anchor app that is free as well as you can go to anchor.fm to get started today on your amazing podcast you've been waiting on to do for so long. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Planet PDX podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Danny Mikram. He is a podcast host as well as a artist, and he does a show called Don't Quit Your Day Job, which is, I think, a really great thing just for people to understand that you don't have to quit your day, day job to continue to pursue your dreams as well as he is a artist that has done amazing work and i'm just really excited to have him on the show so welcome to the show danny hey thanks for having me it's a pleasure to be here yeah of course so you're based out of australia is that correct um i'm actually in australia's smallest island called new zealand which is a joke because we're <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and how long have you been over in australia for or New Zealand? Uh, no, no I, I've, I'm, I'm born and raised in New Zealand, always been here. And, uh, okay. and I just, you know, I just sort of I travel around and do things in different places. But but this is my home in Auckland here. And yeah. Oh, nice. I have family over in uh, Christchurch. So that's oh. pretty great. Yeah. Super small oh, cool. town. Yeah. Yeah. That's not that far away. Yeah. Not at all. So yeah. I guess let's have people hear a little bit more about yourself. Like I definitely broad stroked it a little bit to be able to give you the opportunity to be able to share. Um, but you you do music, you've been yeah. playing music for a while, you are a podcaster. Do you do anything else as far as the creative world goes? Uh, for the last 15 years, I've worked full time for myself in, in all areas of music and various things like that. Wow. Uh, which, was, which was my goal, you know, growing up uh, and in my sort of early adulthood trying to figure that out trying to figure out the holy grail of, or find the holy grail, <laughs> how to go full-time in, in music, you know, and give up the day job. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so that's what I've been doing for the longest time now. And, and <laughs> I don't quite, I mean, it's funny because I started playing and writing and performing when I was 12. Wow. And, and you can't possibly have any kind of sensible ambition for a career when you're 12, you know, your mm-hmm. only real, your only real ambition is to be a rock star. Exactly. And, yeah, and so just one step in front of the other after that, I've found myself here in this completely different life and also arguably in a different world. Yeah. You know, and sort of going, well, how did that happen? And, then, and now more and more people are asking me how it happened. I'm thinking, now I have to come up with an answer. <laughs> You're like, dang, I have to figure out well, how this even happened. Because once you get to that position of, like, I feel like it's the intention as well as the um consecutiveness of doing it like you just have to stay consistent throughout all of it and once you start doing that in a professional way and like putting a like good foot forward in it like you start to see the fruit of your labor and a lot of times i believe that i believe that proactivity you know causes activity you know i think exactly i I think if you sit around and wait at home for something to come to you i think that's that's not going to work out most of the time you know exactly so so sometimes the best thing to do if you don't know what to do is just to do something just Mm -hmm. to start something you know and that'll lead you you'll meet someone or something will happen and you know life is random (laughs) yeah so true um did you so you started this pursuit at 12 years old or did you start to like think about it at 12 and then like 
in your later teens, you're like, okay, like this is the direction I want to go. Uh, I was thinking about it a lot earlier than 12. And I, I, so I, when I was maybe, it's hard to remember, isn't it? But I, when I was about seven, maybe, I think I was first thinking about music and of course, in no terms of ambition or career, because I wouldn't have had the facility thing like that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I mean, you know, I was a kid looking up at Michael Jackson and artists like that going, man, you know, I want to do that. I want to have a dance crew behind me. And, right. and, uh, and I tried to write a couple of songs when I was about, I think, nine or ten, but I couldn't play anything. I'd, I'd had piano lessons, but they hadn't really stuck. Mm. And so I just tried to write, and I wrote the lyrics, and it was all arranged in my head. And I said to a friend, I've written a couple of songs, and he goes, brilliant, play them to me. And I said, well, I, I can't. <laughs> and, uh, and he was, and he just looked at me like, well, what are you talking about then? You know, yeah. and, uh, so I thought, well, this isn't going to work. So I, I, I've got to learn something. And then that led me, you know, uh, a couple of years later, I think I was about 11 when I started messing around on the guitar. And then as soon as I, I started getting the guitar together, as soon as I could put chords together, then I realized I could write songs. And as soon as I could do that, I wrote thousands of them. And, and, and everything just started from there, so. Wow, so did you, so you, like throughout your like schooling, you probably were doing gigs and things like after school, uh, throughout it, like touring yeah. or different things here and there on the weekends, playing at different like venues and. Yeah, because I didn't have a good time at school. I, me and school didn't get on. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, I was a kind of kid, I was introspective and I had a bit of trouble at home and I, mm -hmm. and I asked a lot of questions. I didn't accept things all, that, I was told just because I was told them. So I'd, I would ask why, and then that would be um, misconstrued as uh, me being cagey or, or challenging authority or something. Yeah. So really, I, I was just trying to understand the world around me, really. Yeah. Uh, and I later in life, I found out that I'm quite dyslexic and I had some trouble with my eyes. So I, I now wear glasses a lot of the time and I, I right. did back then, you know. So I was wow. struggling for a lot of reasons and, and the school's answer was basically just to sum me up as stupid. So Dang. somewhere along somewhere along the way, I think I just checked out in my head. I was like, "This is this is not for me," and mm -hmm. I went all in in my mind. I hundred percent invested in my mind into music. So we were we, when we were you know thirteen, fourteen. By that point, we were fully committed to our journey with music, mm -hmm. and we entered talent quests and played at community things and whatever you whatever kind of gig you could get at fourteen and fifteen. And we ended up winning a national, uh, no, we won the Auckland finals of a national competition called the Rock West in New Zealand, um, which wow. brought us, it meant that we didn't, we didn't win the finals, but we got to play in the finals, which uh, meant we're up in front of about 3,000 people at the town hall. Mm -hmm. and, and then out of that, we won studio time and a few other things. And, and that, kind of, that kind of threw us into that. And then we ended up, by the time I was 16, I was beginning to then play around the country either performing my own music or sitting in with other bands as a guitar player or bass player or drummer. And then yeah. from there, from there, it's just this big kind of mess of activity with, with very little direction and, and focus. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's like the best way to put it because if you're like in that spot where you're like saying you're going all in, in yeah. grade school or even in high school, you, you kind of like have to be like, okay, like, I don't know what this looks like because everyone else around you is going the standard path they're not That's deciding right. to yeah. go because a lot of people they make that decision after they go through high school like oh i'm gonna go to college go to the military go do an entrepreneurial kind of route but you decided yeah. at a younger age like nope this is not for me i'm out of here i'm gonna go like dig my toes in deep and go really messy with this and see where it leads to and i think that's 
it, retrospectively, it sounds really different to how it feels at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like at the time, it was fueled by frustration and desperation, and right. the whole the whole world around me is telling me I'm wrong. That mm-hmm. I had to pursue the, like you said, like I had to pursue the kind of conventional route to to get to whatever answer, and and the conventional route was letting me down. Everyone was letting, you know, the teachers were failing me. Um, yeah. The, the school, the school was failing me. Everything that I was supposed to do wasn't working. Right. So when I, I found out that, uh, I don't know what it's like in the States, but in New Zealand, you're allowed to legally leave school at 16. So I was gone. I was out. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> <laughs> no questions and, asked. You're like, I'm out of here. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I mean, I knew I was, a, I was about a term, I think, into that year at school. And I thought this isn't going to work out at all. I'm already, this, this year is already over for me. I've failed yeah. already, you know. <laughs> Um, and I remember saying to my parents, you know, either I can spend your money failing here or I can go and learn to do something that's actually going to help my future. And mm-hmm. I said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, what if I went and worked in a studio? And so I opened up the phone book and looked at all the recording studios that were in the same place as me and wrote a physical letter to every single studio asking if I could get an internship or an apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. And one of them came back and said, yes, I got rejections or no answer from every one of them. Except oh, of one. course. Yeah. <laughs> Especially <laughs> at that age. Like they're like, wait, why is this guy yeah. coming to me? And like, is he really running away from his like family or is he actually like right. pre- being serious about this? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's such an absurd way to do it. Like if I had at the time known how the industry worked that I would never have dreamt of doing it like that, you know, right. so it was pure ignorance. And, uh, but one guy said, <laughs> One guy said, yeah, you can come and work for me. He goes, I don't have any money, but I'll train you. <laughs> Brilliant. So, so a fortnight earlier, I'm sitting at school, miserable and lost. And a fortnight later, I'm, I'm in a recording studio setting up mics so we can do like radio jingles or make albums or whatever. Wow. <laughs> and that probably opened up many doors for you to work with, the many artists you worked with, like Tom Petty and John Mayer and all these different, different guys like along the way. I wish I had worked with Tom Petty. Um, you may be uh, mixing him up with Tommy Emmanuel. Who's, oh, uh, Tommy Emmanuel. Okay. And then, yeah. and then I just was reading your bio and everything. I was like, wait, this guy is like, you have had a lot of like opportunities like that brought apparently to you due to the fact of like you going and doing things um, left and right and just being consistent and putting in the groundwork into it. So like, yeah. have you, is that because of that or did they approach you? How did you work with these people and collaborate with them in producing or different Well, the, um, there was a whole lifetime between when I was in that studio and when some of those other things started to happen. So I, I was in that studio for about a, most of a year and then it relocated and it was too far away. And I, I, I decided I wasn't really into sound engineering at the time. So I left. Okay. Um, and then I just went and worked random jobs and I spent the next number of years being your classic broke struggling musician (laughs) you know i i could tell everyone in my family it was was looking at me going what the hell you know right exactly (laughs) they're like uh, did danny really decide to like drop out of everything to go and choose to be more broke than he was before (laughs) exactly exactly that's exactly right and i and so i'm working in rubbish jobs for no money and Mm -hmm. i'm playing you know a typical situation playing in a kind of average rock band at night at the local pub to 20 people kind of thing trying to figure out how to get started and i and i got a few residencies and a few things like that um i think when it started to change a little bit i mean we got a couple of the bigger support slots 
the first one, the first really big one we got was Jimmy Barnes. Um, okay. And, and we got that because we won another, we, no, we came second in another competition and that opened the door for that. And then soon after that, um, the John Mayer gig came up, the support for John Mayer came up. And that happened because he had only just broken. It was just, he was touring his first album. So he wasn't the global superstar yet. Yeah. But he, was, he was just sort of breaking through. Okay. And, and uh, we, we, we felt that his music was very in line with our music. So we figured out who the promoter was and, and asked if we could have the gig. Uh, and they kind of went, well, we'll put you in the hat. You know, we'll put your name yeah. in the hat. And we were like, well, okay, well, we, I remember we were talking about, going, we need to figure out how to get noticed. You know, we need to figure out how to stand out. So they choose us, you know. So yeah. what we did is we called a local pizza company and we said, can we, can we put something in the box, you know, if, and, and get a pizza delivered? And, um, and they went, yeah, all right. So we worked it out. And so anyway, without them knowing, all these pizzas arrived in their office and they opened <laughs> the box. Eventually, firstly, apparently, I heard about it all later. They went like, that's, they had an argument. Like, these are not for us. We didn't order these. No, 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 it's been paid for. You know, these are your pizzas. So they opened the box and inside the, inside the lid, there's a photo of our, our band. And it's like, with love, you're right. <laughs> With, with love written on the inside of the lid. <laughs> and, and then we waited for a couple of hours for it all to, you know, sink in everyone to eat their pizza. And then we rang them and the, and the promoter by that point was laughing and goes, okay, you've got the gig. Wow. And, uh, and that's, how we, that's how we got the John Mayer support. And we didn't, I mean, we just didn't, we knew that he was a massive pop star. Um, mm -hmm. He was at that point looking like he was going to become, I guess, what Ed Sheeran is now. You know, yeah. a, a very... Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not having a go at Ed Sheeran, but just, just he's he's a lot narrower as a musician than John Mayer. John Mayer's mm -hmm. fantastic, you know, yeah, much, much wider talent. Um, and I remember being at Soundcheck and seeing John Mayer Soundcheck, and everyone else had left, so I was sitting in the in the venue by myself just watching the band, and I remember thinking, man, this guy can play, you know, right. like it really it really hit me how good he was, you know. And, and how old are you at this point? Um, probably 22, maybe. Okay. Yeah. yeah and he was like probably in his early twenties as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think, so. I think he's been a couple out. years older than me. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you're sitting there just like, okay, this guy can shred. This guy has chops and he has yeah. like all the different things. And then from there you and were he was really funny too. He was, he was a comedian. What? No way. <laughs> I, I mean, can't imagine I mean, him. He, I mean, I guess the personality just stood out to me. Like he was just on stage bantering with the band and joking around with the sound engineer as they were working stuff out. And and I just remember thinking, man, this guy's he's a, he's a good player. He's ridiculously good looking, which is annoying. And he's, <laughs> right. and he's really funny. And I'm like, well, either I've got to learn from him or I've got to assassinate him, you know? <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, gotta it, was, him or it join was great. Him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> So let's let's go back in time a little bit, back to you yeah. when you were uh, leaving high school, going to the uh, production. So did the transition go from, okay, I want to like go and try sound engineering and then you started to go into like more of a rock, like guitar and feeling that kind of like desire to be an artist? How did that transition kind of work out for you? Well, it's a great question because really what had happened was that I had gone to the studio because I was under that pressure of getting a real job and having a sensible plan. Where right. you know, joining joining a band and making a career in music was it was you know as about as intelligent as me trying to become a ballerina. You know, it was like it's not going to happen. You know, so 
So, I mean, I felt like saying, well, I'm going to a studio every day and sound engineering sounds like a real job, you know? Yeah. So that was, that was why I did it. And, um, mm -hmm. and then I realized, like I said before, I kind of realized one day that I just didn't have the passion for it. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, what it was is I was, I was setting up a mic for a saxophonist as we were about to record um, some radio jingles. Mm -hmm. And um, that was my job to go and set everything up and come back and get the desk going. And so um, I went and set him up and did the whole thing. And then I came back and I looked through the window into the recording room. And I just thought, I'm on the wrong side of the window. You know, I don't want to be over here by the desk. You know, I want to be a musician. And that was, mm -hmm. the, that was the moment where I thought, no, this is actually a distraction from what I'm trying to do. You know, my, my, yeah. top, my, top, um, my main love and drive is in writing. I, I love yeah. writing music. And my guitar playing has progressed sort of on accident while I've been writing songs and playing live. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, sometimes I feel like I can sing and sometimes I don't. <laughs> but, yeah. but uh you know, my main drive is writing. So that kind of refocused me. I thought, no, I, this isn't for me. I've got to, that's why I went and, and pursued band life. Yeah, so like even, exactly. Even if I'm playing to no one, I'm still writing my songs and, you know, yeah. So you would rather, it sounds like you'd rather like have like that live experience more than the fully produced, like everything cleaned up and like having <laughs> all be, you know, put in this perfect little pizza box and delivered to your door. You're <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I just want to have like the experience be raw and rowdy and let it like be what it's supposed to be with electric guitar and drums and live yeah. sound. And if a guitar string breaks, then keep on going, screw it. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, that's part of, that's part of the experience as an, as an artist to be able to continue to move forward despite what can happen. Like that's kind of the fun spot of being an, a musician because you get to right. actually live in that tension of being yeah. like something can go on something can go off something can go on like anything can happen you might have to like make shift things or play an acoustic show of the sound just like goes straight to hell you're like okay like what do i do now you know that's right so, oh no it's a rush i mean this was, this was also the era i mean these days i think everyone's much more tech savvy and everyone's a mm -hmm. everyone's got it like these days all musicians really have to be a sound engineer in one way or another yeah, um, but th this I'm talking about the late '90s, and this hadn't happened yet. You know, the digital age hadn't kicked in yet. We didn't right. have websites or email addresses or anything. So, um, yeah, I mean, being in a band on stage was kind of all there was. You know, mm -hmm. unless you're more successful and you're doing bigger stuff. And we started to do some TV spots and stuff um, soon as well. But um, they, I mean, these days I, I actually really enjoy doing a lot of engineering and being behind the scenes on stuff as well because now it's a a whole other way of of I mean, writing songs just on a guitar by yourself is really nice, but right. also writing, writing songs with loops and synths and playing around oh, yeah. like that is, is also, <laughs> that's also really fun, you know? So, yeah, yeah. Exactly. it was just there. But you're, you're absolutely right. There's, some, there's a rush of being on stage and you mm -hmm. kind of, you're, in a, you're sort of in a position of danger, not, not to your life or anything, but you know, <laughs> there, there are so many things that can go wrong and you're mm -hmm. with, with, you're, you've got to trust the people you're with. Right. You know, and and if you've got the good band and you know you've got each other's back and you know if things break down or someone jumps up on the stage and punches you or or, or whatever, <laughs> you know, everything that you can imagine has happened to me. Um, you know that's like a hungover person that, you know, like, like starts up to the show like, hey, like, what are you doing, Johnny? Like, why are you like showing up like this? Or like, you know, yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. or road life too. Like there's so many variables <laughs> that come into it with like Absolutely. being a touring artist, like people are super tired. There's yeah. fatigue, there's just like, man, I got to play a full on show and then like do interviews afterwards and then like go out and hang out with like all the rest of the, my crew so that they know right. that I support and love them. 
<laughs> and there's so much more than just the show itself because like you have to do sound check like the, the behind the scene it's a full on it's a full day from it's like a, a, yeah and it's an adventure as well and, and yeah. got, i think i think you learn how in the moment to, to roll with the punches and to and to not flinch too much at anything but sort of figure out how to to keep it all going you know like i remember one night when our bass player he was really sick and he just had to throw up and he just he just looked at me and he was white in the face he just ran <laughs> He ran off the stage and disappeared and hurled his guts out um, in the bathrooms. And I think it was about five minutes or something before he came back. And I was mid-song. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do now? So I, so I, I gestured to the, I cued the band to kind of, to drop the, to drop the dynamics. And I turned it into a, a sing-along with the crowd. I was like, I repeated the choruses a few more times and yeah. <laughs> did a big interactive sing-along with the crowd, thinking like, I wonder how long I can keep this going, you know? And then he yeah. kind of walked back up, he wandered back up on stage and we all cued and came back in and finished the song. It ended up being this big momentous moment, you know, but wow. you learn, you learn when you've done a million gigs that you can't just stop. You've got to survive somehow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The show must go on, as they say, right. you know? That's right, yeah. <laughs> so I have a really interesting question that I did not even prepare to ask, for, ask you of this, but like, I'm so interested to hear from a artist that has been in the era of touring, radio, um, TV gigs, all that transitioning into an artist, into the now where like, you're solely based on streaming. You're solely based on like the engineering. Like that's so much more important than actually the actual like marketing. Like you have to like figure out, okay, how do I stream? How do I go and be in this platform where I have to have everything cut and dry and all these like things that the engineer has on their plate now. Like how did right. that transition help or like impact you as an artist going from like, I want to tour and I want to play all these gigs and things and like be in this kind of space to the digital age now that we're in where it's like yeah. so, so different. Absolutely, it's a really important subject as well. Um, and uh, if I back up slightly to when I started my company, when I was, cause this sort of all relates, when I was trying to figure yeah. out how to go full time with music, I was looking for answers in the music industry mm -hmm. and, I realized, and, I, and I wasn't finding anything because the music industry is a very bizarre, I've always thought of it being like the wild west. And, you know, it's sort of- totally this lawless kind of ruthless random kind of place you know um yep. and it's also it's also riddled with facades and misinformation because people are trying to put their best you know face forward and they're trying to promote whatever they're doing so they're not saying oh we've been on tour and we didn't sell any tickets you know people don't say that they go oh no it was great brilliant tour had loads of fun yeah, they put you know? their best face forward not their best foot forward <laughs> that's, right. <laughs> yeah, that's right so so um while i was looking for a way of of solving this problem um, I actually found the answers in, in the subject of business. When I started talking to business mentors and leaders and entrepreneurs, uh, either in person or reading autobiographies about, you know, really amazing people. And, and I realized that really all we're doing is we're setting up businesses. You know, we're, we're um, basically entrepreneurs going into a very, very saturated market. Yeah. And most of us don't have any kind of, you know, what they call USP, unique selling point. You know, most of us don't have anything like that. We're like, hey, you know how you've heard, you know, 5,000 rock bands that sound the same before? Why don't you check out my rock band that sounds exactly the same? You know? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, and then there's like this history of musicians signing really stupid deals, you know, record deals and management mm -hmm. deals and stuff that are 
if you just read them with any kind of sense, like, why would you sign this, you know? But it's been going on over and over again. So I found all of my answers by just taking that approach. And uh, that meant that I, I set up my company in 2005 and I brought it to break even about just over a year later and I've been doing that ever since. And, okay. then, and then my first awareness of, um, uh, of streaming was when Spotify came to New Zealand in 2012. And I released uh, my third album at the, at the same year, and I saw the results immediately. And if I and if I looked at it, I mean, I heard the the promo come out, you know, the the advertising coming out saying, yep. we're the you know the solution of the future. We pay the musicians and blah blah blah." And everyone seemed to go, "Brilliant! Oh, they're paying the musicians." Next, you know, that no, that's <laughs> the end of the conversation. And what they didn't realize was that it was basically the same as going to someone and saying. You know how you earn $100,000 a year for your salary? What we're going to do is ask you to do the same job, but we're going to pay you $10 a year. You know, and, and how would anybody more too. That? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. You do so much more because as an entrepreneur, you have to like market yourself. You have to show up. You have to like figure out sales revenue. You have to figure out, okay, what the client need. Customer service is like, have to always be on point. You have to show up with the right that's face. Right. Always yeah. like it's all these different areas. And then they're like, and here's your slice of cheese or like wait like why don't i get the whole brick of cheddar right here so <laughs> yeah, like one exactly. slice of cheese when i've been like yeah. working 10 times harder than the rest of the people exactly what you were like uh seeing and so you started your own business or you started your own label uh i started my own business but i ran it as my umbrella business for everything so i mean i've we did actually do an album with a label um at one point but most of the stuff that i've put out i've put out into my own company and that's given me great independence. It means that I own everything, which is fantastic. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> so important. Yeah. Uh, I mean, of course, the downside is you you have to work a lot harder to get contacts and get stuff out there. Like you really have to to break a sweat. Um, yeah. But in the end, but in the end, it's 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 yours, you know. And I think that's I think that's actually the way of the future. But I mean, to to finish the Spotify thing, I think Spotify is a global con. I think it's a load of rubbish. And I think um, I think musicians. If if we all pulled together and pulled our and pulled our music off Spotify and we went to companies like Bandcamp because Bandcamp's fantastic, you know, yeah, um, we would we would actually be able to bring Spotify down if we all got together. Um, but I don't know if we will do that. <laughs> so, right, because Spotify's done so they've done such a good job at putting up this face in this front that the artist is getting so much support when really they're not at all getting any support and like they're just getting nothing, like millions of plays. Everyone's like, oh, they're so big. You're like. No, like they're getting maybe 10 cents. Like, That's right. If even that, with yeah. the amount of plays that they're getting, like they're getting publicity and they have to play shows now and hope that they can retract their, the revenue from people that are listening. But yeah, you know. And, like, and touring is becoming so much more expensive as well. That, that argument of, well, you don't make money on the album, but you see that as a loss leader to make your money on the tour. Mm-hmm. That, that, that model doesn't really work anymore. Really? I think, um, well, I don't think it does. I mean, I've heard about lots of bands touring the States that, that yeah. end up losing money. I mean, it's the, in New Zealand, it's the same thing. Um, there are a few bands that do well, but usually mm-hmm. there's some sort of, they've got a niche or some sort of exception to the rule. But I'm talking across the board, you know. Yeah. Well, because um, not everyone can charge up to $100 per ticket like some right. artists do, you know. Like if yeah. you're only charging 15 bucks for a ticket and then you have to like split that with the venue and then you have to split that with like, okay, like drink costs, all those different things that people are going to be like you have to estimate out as a business and like they're obviously going to take some of that revenue back in their pocket. Cause they're like, Oh, yeah. as a business as well. So you're like, dang, I just broke even, which is not even anything because I had to come in and like, I was hoping to at least get a little bit over 
breaking even and you just can't. Well, I think it's also um, quite telling that some of the biggest stars in the world, especially in pop, are, are moving their intention into perfume lines and handbags and clothing. Yeah. And stuff like that. That's, I mean, you know, in the past when the, a big artist was able to sell album numbers in the millions, mm-hmm. like, do you want to do a handbag line? It's like, what's the point? You know, I've, I've already got 15 mansions, you know. I'll just make another album. That's way easier. You know, but... Right? <laughs> but now they're like, oh, I have to do an album. I have to do have my own like line of hair, makeup, yeah. jewelry, and then they're at that point they're like, now we're finally able to have this lifestyle. With that, to create six different businesses to be able to even have that level of quote unquote success that they even wanted to have in the first place, which right, it's just exhausting to think about running six different businesses as a sole proprietor and an owner, and thinking of it like, wow, like I have to do all of this stuff to get to this point, like. People are just like, what the heck? Like, why do I, why? Right. That's like, you're ridiculous. You're arrogant, you're ignorant. Like, you're like in that yeah. space of, it's not worth it. You know, like, and I don't see the end game with it. And, and I know that with something like Spotify, you have to be really in there to understand how it all works and stuff. I don't actually use Spotify because I don't like the quality of it. I, I can't stand listening mm-hmm. to music of such a lo-fi quality. So because I don't use it, I don't really understand it. And therefore, to be honest with you, I don't care. You know, I don't, I don't need to spend 20 hours a week in that world to make 10 cents. It doesn't make any sense to me. So no. I, I mean, uh, w- one of the reasons, that the, the podcast we call Don't Give Up Your Day Job, and we, we called it that because of the ethic that when you go into a career in music, it's not a holiday. You know, it's just a new job. Like, you, mm-hmm. one of the things I think I did right, and I don't even know how this happened. It was just a, an idea. Yeah. Um, uh, what I mean is I I'm not t- trying to pat myself on the back, you know, it's just sort of worked out. I'll do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I just decided when I, I think it was because I was scared that I was going to become, um, you know, I was going to be working from home, running my company, but that would mean I'd actually just be watching TV. You know, I was, mm. afraid, of, I was afraid of it sort of, you know, not working out for that reason. So I thought, right. no, I'm going to set my alarm and I'm going to get to work at the same time every day. And I put a routine around myself mm-hmm. as if I, as if I just had a regular job. And by sticking to that, that meant that I, I, I think that's actually one of the reasons why it worked because I was at my desk at 8.30 every morning, answering mm-hmm. the email, doing admin and sending invoices and that kind of stuff. And so that years later became the reason why we, we said, don't give up your day job is the name because you know, going into a career in the arts, it, it is a, just a different job and you've got to see it that way. You know? So it's all of this, I think can sound like negativity, like we're all complaining about how everything is. But the way that I see it is that you can't fix the car until you know what's wrong with it. And right. if everyone's standing around the car going, no, it's all good. It's like, well, you know, you're not going to ever get the thing moving. You need someone to be able to look, you know, you need someone to look at it and go, no, 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 this thing's broken. We need to replace right. this part. You know, if we can actually have transparent, honest, open conversations about the state we're in, then we've mm-hmm. got somewhere actually tangible to rebuild from. And that's exactly. where we can find out our future solutions. So that's, that's, where, that's why I think that this kind of conversation is really important. Yeah, because a lot of people, they have this like fantasy that it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be like totally fine if you go into the creative world, which is why we started as a podcast and we have a physical space where yeah. we want to empower and encourage people to continue to fight creativity in like music and film and photography and podcasting because we just want people to understand that yeah it's a lot of work but like 
lot of people are not willing to take that first step because I don't know if you like had to go so far into like a money pit of debt where you're like, crap, like I'm so far because I got this equipment, I got the studio stuff. And then you're like, wow, like, am I ever going to see the light of day again? And like, that's where people <laughs> live at for so long because they just don't even, they see that um, dollar amount. And they're like, well, I'd rather just like go to school and get all this debt and then have student loans for the rest of my life and kind of like have that kind of safety net where everyone is still paying off hundreds of thousands of dollars like for the rest of their life. But it's more of a place where they can have job security because people can actually relate with them as a nurse yeah. or as a businessman or whatever. And like, so what we said is like, Hey, like we're going to like take on that debt and we're going to actually fully like say you're free to come in and you can like utilize this space and we're going to just charge you like way under the market price. And we're actually going to like empower you to go and create without feeling this tension of like, I'm going to get buried with all this money or I want to get buried with all this work. And yeah. you know, that's, sure there's a lot fantastic. of work because like, thank you. Like there's a lot of work that has to yeah. go into it. But like, if we are actually saying, okay, like, this is what you need, the tools you need, and now, now it's time to get to work. Like if someone came to you and said, hey, here's your guitars, here's your studio, here's your drums, here's your, all those sound boards, everything like that, you're like, well, hell, like I need to get to work. I gotta get my stuff together and like start writing right. albums and like start putting stuff out there and go on tour. Like that's what we said. Like we want people to go in there like, hey, I wanna write an album. Cool, here you go, here's your pass, come in and yeah. like, get to it, you know? That's so cool. And, and I, I mean, the, the money thing for me was, was a little bit, I think, abnormal because I was already completely broke. So the way that I looked at it, like, <laughs> the, the way that I looked at it was I can't really fall anywhere because I'm already on the ground, you know, like, yeah, I just remember thinking, I don't know if I can run a business because again, I had such a terrible experience in the education system. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I thought, well, the worst that's going to happen is I'm going to end up back in exactly the same place and I'm just going to go and get a job again. So I didn't really feel like I had, a, had much to lose. Right. Um, and I think that gave me a little bit of confidence. But then a couple of other interesting things happened because, um, like I said, I started my company in 2005 and it was mm -hmm. only three years later that the global recession happened. Right. 2008. And, yeah. And so that was my first big test, you know with with everything and right and i put i pulled myself through it i actually took advice from um richard branson's autobiography okay yeah where where he made the point where when everything goes wrong and your instinct is to to close everything down and hide under the bed you've actually got to do the opposite and he said expand your way out of it as mm -hmm. and that's the that's the time to tighten up and refine everything and invest and plan and be proactive and actually you know sort of do the opposite of what you want to do which is is to panic you know right so that's what I did. I went and tightened up the business. I wrote a new business plan. I, I went and checked through the budget and got mm -hmm. rid of, you know, anything that was wasting my time or wasting yeah, my excess. money. Yep. I re yep, exactly. I rebranded and made new plans and I pulled myself through that big test. And one of the impacts that had on me was that all of the people who told me that pursuing something like music was ridiculous, these people had mortgaged themselves up to the teeth buying the house and setting up the picket fence life. Mm -hmm. And it was those people that were the most impacted by that recession. So their, yeah. their concept of security and, and, and a safe ambition ended up backfiring on them. And because I was self-employed, I could take a pay cut because I wasn't going to fire myself, you know, <laughs> um, and I, and I could actually get through it, you know, and mm -hmm. so that, to me, that became my first validation that actually 
you know, that, that trip that you guys are peddling doesn't always add up, you know, and now we're in this new situation again with the virus yep. and, and I'm kind of in a similar situation again, where I'm able to keep my business going and do a lot of stuff online. Mm-hmm. And I, I still work from a home office, so I don't have, you know, much in the way of overheads and things like that. Right. And I mean, it's a horrible time, obviously, and we're all being impacted in different ways. Totally. But yeah. I, I, I can't, I can't really justifiably complain right now because um, I know how bad it is for a lot of people out there. And mm-hmm. we all, the worst we have to do is just stay home. Basically we stay right. home and just, I'm just still carrying on with my business, you know? So again, that life I've chosen has given me the flexibility to do that. Right. And, and yeah. So, yeah. A lot of times like people, they, they want to choose the quote unquote easier path because it's just, it just looks like easy. And I think a lot of times when they see that it's just short, they're just short changing themselves because yeah. people would choose comfortability over actually like living out in their full potential and like actually having that full experience of, okay, I want to test myself. I want to put myself out there. The risk is worth it. I think that's like what we're saying is like the risk for you to be a creative is super worth it. And like, yeah, it's going to ask everything of you at the end of the day, you're going to be tested. You're going to see the highs, the lows, the extremes. Also like the, the normal days where you're like, okay, cool. Like this is just a regular day job. And like, it's not just like a thing where you live in the peaks and like the peaks and valleys. Cause that would suck. If you're like living in a high intense emotional state, you're like, man, like I would rather just not do this because this is taxing my emotional state. But what you're saying is just like the day job that you don't quit it. Like you just create it. You create the day job for yourself and you like actually treat it as such. When you like allow yourself to be in a discipline, you're consistent with it. You actually like put the time in, you say, Hey, like this is my new normal. This is my new day job. And I want to, I want to be the boss. I want to like actually understand what it looks like to be in that position of making the decisions and being able to have a team that I can collaborate myself and I can like work alongside and help other people with the vision or with the the executive plan that you want to do as your business statement and what you are planning to achieve. That's right. Exactly right. And I, and I think it's also on a broader scale, I think it's um, about buckling that idea of having to all follow the same road and and fall Mm -hmm. into the same idea. You know, I mean, we sort of, um, we have this idea now, for example, that the trades are kind of a, a failed pursuit. Like mm-hmm. everyone should, everyone should want to be a lawyer because that's a real job. You know, you don't want to be a plumber. Don't don't try and be an electrician. You know, you've, you've got to be you've got to be a you know a banker or something like that. And and I and I think that's the problem. I think rather than constantly forcing everybody to think the same way, I think we need to celebrate diversity in in our careers. Obviously, in, in the rest of, of things as yeah. well. But but I mean. Uh, there's a really good career to be had if you're an electrician. You know, you can make yeah. some good money. You can be self-employed. You, know, you can have a great life. If right. someone goes, look, I want to work at the supermarket and just earn a bit of cash and just see some people and then go home and hang out with the family, what's wrong with that? Nothing. You know, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and if some and someone if someone goes, well, I want to make music or um or paint paintings or whatever, and yeah, I'm not going to make as much money as you, but I want to spend the time that I have on this earth the way that I want to spend my time. Right. What's wrong with that? And Nothing. why when we why when we talk about like making a living, are we always talking about the money we earn and not how we're spending our time? Mm-hmm. You know? And 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 that's what I think. I think like if I was given two weeks holiday in an amazing place, 
then I'd be thinking like, I've only got two weeks. How am I going to see as many things as I can see? Exactly, and right? You know? and, and that's kind of like our time on earth. Like we, we just mm-hmm. don't know how long, we don't know how long it is, but, exactly. but, um, but we've only got a little bit of time really. So what, like, mm-hmm. why not learn the guitar and paint a painting and, you know, do whatever you want? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great picture of it. Like you have so much limited time on earth. So like, why don't you use it to the best of your ability? If you have two weeks vacation for your whole life, like I'm going to try to like travel as far as I can, like go on a cruise or go on a flight and like go see different things, taste a bunch of different foods from the spiciest to like the sweetest, you know, like yeah, yeah. whatever it looks like and having those experiences throughout the way and throughout my life. So I can actually come back into the world right. in a better way so I can better serve other people. I think that's what it comes down to because a lot of people, they just chase the money. They're like, I want to yeah. go into this career because I see the money, I see the, the fame, like in Instagram and social media, it's like this place where people see the thousands, the millions, the whatever. And they're like, I want to get there. And I'm like, why? Like, if that's the, <laughs> yeah. your main reason for getting there, then like, you've missed the point. Like if you, if you want to like be there so you can impact people in a different way, or you want to like have a message to share throughout history, that's going to actually help people in a larger global scale, then all power to you or if you're like hey i just really love to do music and like that's what i like feel my heart of hearts where i want to like go every single day create music or create art or i want to bag groceries and i want like to serve the local ladies and men who are in there and like just give them the best quality bags and the best groceries ever like awesome like that's amazing yeah i think we just like we have placed so much value on the amount of money we can make and the short amount of time we have instead of the amount of impact we can create as humans to other humans in the short amount of time we have, like creating a better life experience to other people instead of like trying to be hoarders of all the money and be like, I make a hundred dollars an hour. I'm like, cool. Like, do you give it that money away to like a hundred people a week? Like what do you do with that money? That's so great for the rest of the world. Instead of just being like, I'm just going to do this so I can have my own self ambition throughout it. Yeah. I mean, I think if someone also wants to just live like a hermit, that's cool too. Like if they're not going <laughs> to, ne- you know, if they're not going to necessarily um, do anything super, uh, con- like I don't know, contribute in a in a really positive way. But hey, they just want to live by the beach. And you know, I always had this funny, um, romanticized idea of that scene from Lethal Weapon where Mel Gibson's living in that trailer by the beach. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and I know, I know that ends up being a really dark scene, but I, I, I remember. <laughs> When I was a kid, I saw that and I'm like, that looks really good, man. I want to live in a trailer by the beach, you know? Yeah. But, um, but I think you're right as well. Uh, I mean, we are also getting, well, we're not getting to, we're actually already in a state of basic, basically global emergency, not because mm-hmm. of the virus, not because of the virus, but because of the environment issues and, and mm-hmm. because of the state of politics and all the stuff that's going on. Right. And I think it's time that we, we start, you know, I think dropping the games and start trying to actually sort some of this stuff out. Yeah. it's going to catch up on us really fast. <laughs> and it already is. It's already starting to it catch up is. on us. But like yeah. at the end, actually like throughout this whole like stay at home period, like the world is like actually being restored as well, which is cool. Like to seeing different pieces yeah. of the earth, like actually being what it's supposed to be, like the lack of pollution because of the lack of driving in, in LA right. and like the West Coast and New York, like the world is like actually for the first time being able to heal from all the crap that we throw into it. You know? Yeah. And yeah, it's it's amazing, isn't it? And it's it's it sort of feels like we're living in a movie. You know, I'm expecting uh-huh. to see Bruce Willis at some point. You know, but we 
we um it's like the it's like the environment <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's but it's like the the environment is sort of giving us a a, a little reminder saying it's actually not that hard you know mm -hmm. if you just make a couple of changes look what happens when we just you know if we just stop for a second and figure a few things out look at the impact that that happens on the environment and how positive that can be and yeah. only after what a month or so we started noticing it right exactly and, and like imagine if we were to limit the things that we did like of course like not staying at home in isolation but like actually understanding that our priorities are not based on how much we can do but like the quality of the time we can spend with other people and the quality of the time of yeah. that we do like making intentional movements throughout our our course instead of just trying to, to hurry up and wait to, to everything and i think that's yeah the stigma that we're well, trying that we're trying to get broken from us because the hurry up and wait mentality is a broken method and it's never been yeah. sustainable well i i wonder what the outcome will be because you know i mean like i've been talking about i've been working for myself from home for 15 years mm -hmm. and and i've I've been seeing technology advance, you know, like the way that we're talking right now and that we, we couldn't have done that 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, uh, and I've been sort of in the background watching all this unfold thinking, I wonder when people are going to suddenly are going to finally realize that sitting two hours each way in traffic is completely ridiculous. <laughs> and like, and like, and like going all of the, you know, all that way to then sit in some horrible uninspiring office, you know, mm -hmm. Yep. Now, now the virus has meant that so many people have ended up working from home and so they're right. not sitting in traffic and they've got more time in their day because now, you know, between two and four hours aren't in traffic every day. Right. I, won I wonder what that'll do. Like, I wonder how many people go, you know, I might actually just keep working from home, you know? Yeah. And I think and that's I maybe the, the new normal, be people working remotely and actually the businesses will be able to save money on right. rent. Yeah. And depending yeah. on that, they pay for it and they're like, oh, cool. Like we no, no longer need this space where we can actually open up more spaces for art, for yeah. museums, for any kind of conventions, like even for like venues. I think just having a whole other space for the artists to come in and use it, I think it'd be really amazing because this time is amazing for people to actually think about what they want to do. And if we can limit the amount of people like having to transport or leave for, for work, if yeah. they're just going to go hurry up and wait and get to an office that they're like, cool, like I'm going to get my coffee. I'm like, sorry, at this blank wall, this computer screen, and I have to get glasses because I have to get the blue, the blue lens now, right. whatever, <laughs> Look, whatever thing it is. And like going from that kind of space to be like, hey, I want to actually use my time like outside of my house to actually create memories and moments and to be able to That's like right. create an, a better life. And if we can do that in a way of art, a way of, you know, whether it's, restaurants and things when those open back up with like food and dining like that would be amazing that we can see a uh not elimination but like just less less corporate buildings and more entertainment and more quality buildings to build communities instead of like having a space where it's just like oh yeah we're gonna have all these places for work like uh, new york or yeah in the australia and you know, like different places that you may like be more aware of, or like LA and Seattle and Portland, where like everywhere is just like a bunch of corporate stuff. And you're like, man, like, right. this is a city that I want to go and visit, but like I'm just looking at buildings that are for offices. Like that's not yeah. fun. <laughs> that's not enjoyable. Yeah, and 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 even just in such an immediate way, if more people were working remotely, you know, just 
the immediate outcome of less pollution because there's less, tra less traffic on the road and everyone having a bit more time because they're not traveling as far, mm -hmm. um, that just alone, without having to talk about anything else, that alone is going to, I think, drop the amount of stress and anxiety that a lot of people experience. And it's going to give them more time in their day to do creative things. Like they might actually go, I've always wanted to play the trumpet and now I can because yeah. I've got a whole two extra hours a day, <laughs> you know? Right. Cause they're not and, wasting time. Cause a lot of times like we're just at this office job, we're like, we have to be there for eight hours because yeah. we have to, but like if we find more productivity in the, in a six hour or a four hour work day, then Hey, like why not just pay them? A little bit more hourly but like having mm -hmm. them work less during yeah. the day so they can have more time to pursue whatever it looks like whether it's creativity or if it's just time with family and being able to have yeah. a better quality of life altogether i was just going to say the time with family thing as well because i mean <laughs> yeah. you know how many families out there struggle because you know the parents are at work the whole time the kids oh yeah are often un unattended after school and things like that and they just don't end up with that relationship, the close relationship that's so important. Um, you know, if people can spend more time together, I mean, it's only got to be positive, right? Right. And like, it's so interesting that like, the kids have, a, they have more respect and more of a dependency on their teachers or on their friends than they do their yeah. parents because their parents are out working, like trying to support for the family. And then they come home and like, I have to get dinner ready. I have to do this and this and this. And they're like, man, like if only we can take a step back and be like, Hey, like I have time to actually spend with you and like get to know you and like be able to like just know who you are and take care of you and nurture you and also like walk with you through life. Like, dang, yeah. that would be amazing because the quality of the parents, the respect hopefully would go up for the child to parent kind of like a relationship. But you know, it it's just so much of the time now is just used in transport transporting from work back and forth, and then you have to like get stuff all ready to go so you enter into the house so like rushed because you're like oh right. my gosh like my plate's full i just had a full day of work i dealt with all these crazy people maybe it was a great day at work but still i was having to deal with all the people in traffic <laughs> that i had to deal with <laughs> as i was going and it's like this guy cut me off and i'm walking in the door and you're like oh, i can't even breathe because you're just <laughs> you just feel the weight of everything outside of the house the people you worked so hard for mm. and you came in and you're like like dang i'm giving them my leftovers like i'm giving them like literally like the last of myself and like i want to give them everything i want to give them like my best yeah. self and i want to like yeah. actually have a good quality of life with them because i'm working all this time i'm transporting for them like all these different things you're doing as a family uh person or even as just a person in general for the people you care about like you want you right. never want to give them like the leftovers the baggage you want to give them like your best <laughs> But that, yeah, like you say, that's so hard at the end of the day when you're just, you've burnt yourself out on the day, you know? Yeah. But, but I think um, this is the, this is the, I guess, what the virus is doing. And, and it's not to downplay how tragic the virus is. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I think when there is tragedy, there is opportunity to rebuild and to, to reflect as well. I think yeah. the same thing happened, you know, has happened after major wars and things in history where, you know, out of the rubble, you kind of go, okay, well, let's build it up better. And yeah. we can look back, we can look back at the world and go, well, there's a lot about, there's a lot about modern society that's been really dysfunctional. Now that our whole lives have been thrown into chaos, let's put mm -hmm. them back together a little bit better. And I, I guess that's also circling back around to answering the question about the music industry. You could argue, <laughs> you, you could argue that Spotify is the virus. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and, uh, so that's throwing us into chaos. And, uh, well, and now we... <laughs> I was looking forward to saying that one. And uh, so, so now we've, we've been thrown to this sort of state of suspended, you know, we, we, I guess no one really knows exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last 10 years have been pretty bizarre in music. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, people love music, and that's not going to change. You know, so right. there's going there's going to be some future with music. I don't. I I'm not going. I'm going. I'm not going to try and guess what it is. Right. It's, it's not like we're going to have a world with no music. So. Exactly, and so have, have you had to do? I've seen a lot of artists that had to do like a live stream kind of like concert um, platform. Right. Is that what you and your band are doing now, or are you guys working on a new album now, or just more? Yeah. Yeah, everyone around me is doing the live stuff on on the online live stuff, and for some reason, I've just not had the inclination to do it. And uh, and I don't know why. I think there's a part of me that just doesn't like to be in queue with everybody else. You know, <laughs> like, oh, I, I, I've, I've got this um, I've got this great story from when I was in Florence, and we were going to see the Statue of David, mm-hmm. and we and we walked along, and we found the the right museum. And there was this queue to the door that went all the way down the block, like right down. The, you couldn't see the end, yeah. you know. And people were saying it's like a three-hour wait to get in and stuff. And I was like, "No way, am I going to stand in a queue <laughs> for three hours?" And and I was with my girlfriend, and she goes, "Well, what will we? You know, I thought you wanted to see the Statue of David." And I said, "Well, I do, but I don't want to stand in the queue." And she goes, "Well, what are you going to do?" And I just leave it with me for a minute. I'm going to figure this out. And so I sort of, I just sort of walked around, looking around, like there must be, there must be something. There must be a different way to see it, like above, like a bird's eye view <laughs> <Yeah>. on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I had no idea what I was doing, but I, I, then I just glanced up and right across the street from the door, uh, from the entrance to the museum, was this little booth. And uh, there was a sign above the booth that said something like um, 10 euro for, um, you know, VIP or something mm-hmm. like, or, or, you know, yeah. fast access, or whatever. So, and I went up and asked for clarification. And what does this, what does this mean? Basically pay $10 euro each and you just get straight in. And I'm like, you're joking. And, he went, <laughs> and, and there was, there was no cue to the booth. It's like no one else had noticed it. And so I said, well, I'll take two. I'd rather pay 20 euro total than stand in a queue for three hours, you know? Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> And so I got my, my, you know, my passes and I walked up to the door and they let me straight in. I literally walked right up to the statue of David and I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And then we just walked around and had a look at the rest of everything. And to me that I kind of like in thinking about it afterwards, I thought that's kind of my life. I just don't like being in the same race as everybody else. You yeah. Know? You, you create um, your own path and you like yeah. go, you either go like around everything or you just like just say, yeah. I'm just going to go out of it and like just completely just say no i'm good i'm gonna go a different path altogether. Right. <laughs> yeah yeah and so i don't know i just i mean i i have been thinking about actually uh recording one thing that i want to do an instrumental thing and putting it up um just for fun but no i just there's something about the whole thing that's made me kind of resist getting into the into the and I, i'm not i'm not for a second having to go anybody else who's doing it and just talking about right it. <laughs> but, like everyone but, keep doing it but me i'm i'm yeah, good yeah. that's not my exactly path. exactly <laughs> But, but what we have done is um, me and, and the guys have, have written and recorded a song uh, and made a little video for it uh, mm-hmm. while, we've all been, while we've all been locked down. We've done it from our respective studios. 
and we're going to put that out soon. We're actually going to put it out under a different band name, which we haven't thought of yet. So I can't even tell you what that is. But the song's <laughs> called the, the song's called Just a Little Bit. So I don't okay. know when this episode I don't know when this episode will come out. Um, is this going to come out relatively soon or? It'll come out in about like a week or so. Okay, cool. So we may have organized ourselves by then. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, but uh, if people are interested, um, look me up and it'll be on my website and everything once, once it's up. Perfect. Um, it's a really, really funny uh, thing that's happened because I was having a Skype coffee with, with um, my good friend Jasper, who's a drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he goes, we should write a song. And I'm like, yeah. And I thought, well, if I start writing the song, then it's just going to become my thing again. So I said, why don't you write a drum groove and then send it to me and I'll, and I'll do that. I'll write yeah. that to your groove. So he did. So he wrote an, a, a bunch of stuff and um, emailed it to me, and then I wrote wrote sort of the guts of the song over top of it, and then I sent it to the bass player, uh, yeah. and he just put the most phenomenal part down because he's ridiculous. He's just an insanely oh, yes. good bass player, um, and he took it in a direction I actually very purposefully didn't put much information uh, in the demo. On the I just put root notes on the keyboards and just to show where the chords were because I didn't yeah. want to put any ideas in his head because I knew mm-hmm. anything he would write would be like way better than what I thought of. So he just put in the most insane bass line and then we sent it to our keyboard player and I thought he might just throw something on it quickly, but he just did the most beautiful work on uh, a Hammond B3 and on a piano and sent sent back the most stunning work I've heard in a long time from a keyboard player. Um, and I'm like, oh man, now I, have to, now I have to step up. So I have to yeah, <laughs> like, dang, I have to put myself up the plate now. <laughs> yeah. so, so then I was like, okay, I better do a proper job now. So I set everything up properly and did my guitars and vocals. And we mixed it and we made a little uh, kind of lyric video to go with it. And I'm, we're really happy with it. So that's what wow. we've done. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and now we're talking about what, you know, another one. We were actually on Skype last night trying to work out, you know, going through some demos and stuff. Going, we should do another one. So it might become a thing. You should. Yeah, I would be really interested to see what, first of all, what the band name's going to be because you guys are going to create a whole new band and release a brand new song under this band. Yeah. And I'm assuming you don't release any of your music on Spotify because they are the cause of the whole virus. So you just like straight to Apple. <laughs> Spotify are the virus, but we are, funnily enough, on Spotify. Um, no, and, what? Yeah, all, all of my music is on Spotify. I, I held out. I held out for years, and I just thought, well, I'm not making money out of it anyway. Screw it, you know. So I just put it up there. And then the funny thing was, um, we've done our podcasts, you know, don't give up your day job for about four and a half years now. Okay. And the number of times that we've slammed the uh, uh, the streaming services and so on, and then we ended up getting the podcast on Spotify. <laughs> 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 that's one of my greatest personal achievements is I'm on Spotify criticizing Spotify and, and, wow. and that makes that makes me proud you know and they're it's probably like the tro- top when they're like yeah it's <laughs> 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 probably like Apple music and then Spotify for like the top listeners are like man like how did I even like I've yeah. been talking trash about them for the like four and a half years but they're still supporting me this is <laughs> well I wonder if there's going to come a day where someone who's got any kind of influences actually listens to it and goes wait a minute what is this <laughs> you pull the plug you know? in this guy <laughs> yeah. but it's funny because it it kind of tell it kind of shows you how impersonal the whole thing is and how Spotify is just this massive thing that mm-hmm. doesn't give a doesn't give a rats about the content no it you know, doesn't you know, and it's just, it's a business. They don't care at all. And, and to the point where I can put a podcast on there that is pulling them to pieces and, and they won't even know. <laughs> like, oh, this is a top, top uh, hip uh, podcast. And like, yeah. all of this, like 
Spotify is the virus. Spotify is the worst. <laughs> Spotify right. needs to go. Yeah. Like, go to hell. Like all these different <laughs> things. And then they're just like, man, like this is the this is the best podcast we've heard. Like all listeners are loving it. And then just to find out that they're losing subscribers, they're losing people every single yeah. episode, every listen they get. <laughs> like can, everyone's going to Apple. <laughs> can you imagine being a famous band signed to Universal and you put an album out called Universal's Ruined My Life? You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it would be, the plug would be pulled real quick with Universal. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they actually knew what they were putting out, you know. Yeah, so. they actually care, unlike Spotify. <laughs> it's not like just like this crazy like that of like, oh, let's just suck it all in and then throw it all out and see what happens. Right. And that's exactly <laughs> what Spotify does. They just kind of just like say, oh, this is all the artists coming in. We're just gonna throw them out there so we can make money off of them. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh you heard so, about? I'm I'm sure you heard about the early days when they put up where artists worked out that they could actually up load silence and, yeah. <laughs> and and yeah they they cottoned on to that and changed that pretty quickly but that was i thought that was fantastic you know because that was... <laughs> that's what because i mean here's the other point that i've made a couple of times on our show as well is that when did when did rock and roll stop being dangerous you know because in the past you had you had these these amazing artists like the stones and bob dylan mm-hmm. and all these people that really really pushed back Right. all this stuff you know um even we we were talking briefly about tom petty before um yep. and i wish i'd wish that i'd met tom petty because i actually been- was thinking clapton because i saw you just oh, right. clapton yeah so, we supported clapton yeah 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 so my bad but tom, tom petty would have been amazing though but still clapton and john mary like wow who who gets the opportunity to meet both those guys you know like that's incredible. oh yeah i mean that that's that was yeah that was i still can't i think put that together in my head myself um <laughs> Uh, but what what I was going to say is that you know Tom Petty really stood up to the record industry and on a couple of big occasions really really you know took them to task and somewhere in the last couple of decades we've all become really safe you know we've all been I think it's something to do with desperation or something where we don't push back like we used to you know Mm. as as, as musicians I mean like rock rock and roll is supposed to include a, a big finger somewhere you know, yeah, exactly. Screw you. You're screwing us. Well, screw you. You know. Yeah, but there's where no that, there's no opportunity for that anymore. Like there's no way for people to do that because the industry has made it to this point where they have a safety guard, which mm. is really sad because that literally like it pulls the artist out of the picture completely and says, okay, well, you're, if you want to come under my umbrella, then you have to play by my rules. You have to be who I am. Release these different kinds of songs and genres and whatever, and like. I hate that because I see artists that have to just make it happen yeah. and like change who they are as an artist or their sound just to make money. And I'm like, man, like if they just didn't go the different direction, like when a rock band goes to be like more of a poppy band, I'm like, this is not the decision. This was the label's decision. And like, they have to right. go and be part of the audience. And I just hate that. Cause in the past, like rock and roll artists would never be like, okay, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. They'd be like, no, I'm out of here. Like, I got to go like right now. But I actually look at it the other way around because okay. in the past, in the of past, you if, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're getting to know me. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I look at it the other way around because, uh, you know, in the past, if uh, a band like the Stones or whatever didn't play ball with their record company, I mean, their record company did bring a lot to the table. They were able mm-hmm. to put them out and achieve all these things. But these days it's like, you know, if you're not playing ball, then we're not interested in you. But you've got to ask the question, but what are you going to bring to the table? 
you know, from the artist's point of view? What are you, what, what label or management or record company, what do you bring into the table? And what am I going to lose if I push back? You know, because right. most of the time they're not bringing a cash advance to a recording anymore. You know, most of the time the support you get isn't what it used to be. So in many ways, it's better to be an independent artist. So I actually think this, there's never been a better time for us to act like independent artists and push back because the machine's not working for us anyway. Right. And a lot of people are starting to create their own music labels and starting to create yeah. their, and they're understanding like, oh, this is a business and I can actually run it and like learn how to run a business and yeah. I can like go around, pull, right. <laughs> pull your way of going about life. And just to be able to start their own business and to say, I don't actually need the record label to support me. I actually just need to learn some basic business skills and like have my people around me know what they're doing when distributions really don't do anything anymore. It's more along the lines of, okay, quality content, having a quality engineer, being able to know what is happening in the world of music and being able to get the music in the right people's hands is the only piece that the label can actually provide to you is like the distribution. But like, since we know that distribution doesn't mean anything anymore as a whole, because we get paid pennies for like the hard hours that we put into it. So like now that that middleman is cut, the label is no longer relevant. Would you agree? Uh, Absolutely. I think that's completely on the money. And, and especially when you look at record deals and they've still got little clauses in there like breakage, you know, they charge you for breakage, physical unit breakage. And you're like, well, yeah, but when was the last time you released an actual physical unit? Right, <laughs> but, exactly. I, I think um, one of the most inspiring characters out there at the moment is uh, Michael League, who runs Snarky Puppy. Okay. And, yeah. and, um, and he set up his label ground up mm-hmm. and they've done, I think, They've nailed it. I, I got to meet Michael briefly at uh, the NAM Expo in, in Orange County. Yeah. And, um, and he, was, he was sort of giving me the very brief kind of overview of what he was doing. And it was just, it was just amazing because it's like he had some, I don't want to speak on his behalf, but my impression was that he had decided that, well, obviously the industry isn't working, so I'm just going to build my own industry. Mm-hmm. And he's just brought good people together and he's just put together an honest, transparent business and they're evolving as the world changes around them. So I think what ground up started off being is a little bit different now. Um, but you know, we've, we've had a few of those guys on the show as well. We've had Mark Lateri and Bob Reynolds and Malika Tarolian. Um, yeah. And, and, um, and all of them, you know, they're like a big family. They, they've really got each other's back. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I find that so inspiring. It really proves what musicians can do if we pull together. Right. And I think that's what the label wanted to do. They wanted to say, oh, we need you guys to come together so we can like all work as a family. But really, like, they're the only ones that are profiting from it. Like, yeah. And what, what we've seen through it is like, no, we don't need the label. We just need to actually rely on each other and to right. move as a family and to be able to have the tools and our tool belt and be able to use our brain because the label convinced us that we were not smart enough to use our brain. <laughs> and they were like, hey, like you actually don't know what you're doing. So we need, you need us. So like, yeah. actually like when we just take the step back and we actually look at it, we don't need you guys. And we are actually like way more capable to do things actually better because we know what we're going and what we're doing, who we're going to talk to and who we're going to market to and what we're going to sound like as a band and to have more so like the cojones to like actually walk into a space and have the full on rock and roll that we all wanted to have. We all look at bands like 
than Lizzie and Black Sabbath or like, man, yeah. these guys are like, these guys are hardcore. These guys are great. They knew where they're going. They knew what they were doing. And the impact they made was so big into the, into the place where like, they were never questioned for what they were doing. They were like, you keep on going. Like, we're not going to stand in your way, but like the label saying, we want to stand in your way so we can direct you. We're like, no, like we need to like actually come together and like take a stand and actually yeah. like be creatives and be artists without have a voice again, instead of feeling like we just need to be reliant upon this quote unquote stigma of the label. Of the well, yeah, exactly. And I think for me, um, when I, when I started to understand, um, yeah, I guess because you're growing up as a musician thinking you've mm-hmm. got to get the, rec- the, the you know, you've got to get the record deal and getting the record deal means that everything will be okay after that. Um, you, you have this, <laughs> you know, your whole, yeah, I mean, that's sort of the, the, the romance that we're all taught yep, to lead. Exactly. And when I, I mean, I remember when I had a little record deal, the guy, the label manager was constantly telling us to change this and do that and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it just occurred to me one day that all of the successful bands he had on the label they had already been successful when they joined the label that he right. hadn't, he hadn't actually broken any of them. Mm-hmm. You know, he had, he had just picked them up and I, and I, it just dawned on me, like this guy's never actually followed through on any of his opinions. Right. You know, he's just, he's just talking. And then I, I spoke to some other people along the way and, and um, I, I can't verify these figures exactly, but it, right. people have said that, the old industry was based on a 99% fail rate or 98 to 99% fail rate where 98 to 99% of people signed to a record deal would never recoup and would, would remain in debt. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at an industry and you go, right, so these, these supposed experts are basing the entire business model on failing 98 <laughs> to 99% of the time so that they can, on the one or 2%, they can get the artist that breaks through and makes all the money. That's that's not an example of knowing what you're doing. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, that, that's like that's gambling. That's like the worst kind of gambling. And the the artist has to remember that they had to do a lot of work to even be recognized by yeah. the label. Yeah. And like once the label comes to them, they they start to like get lazy. Sad to say, like oh, like the label's like carrying me. We're gonna be fine. Like I've I've arrived. But like no, like I think if we still had the momentum and like that that work ethic to actually work as if we were wanting to be accepted by a label, we would have way higher quality of content and we would be going way more in a trajectory of actually success because right. we wouldn't have to put our whole entire fate or hold the hand with like quote unquote, the devil of the music mm. industry, which is the label. Yeah, that's right. And, and then it raises the question that, that, that you sort of just got to there about, about success and what does success actually mean? You know, mm-hmm. because I, I feel like I'm in a funny place in my career where you could actually look at it both ways. Like you, you could look at my career and go, well, I thought you were going to be Eddie Vedder, you know, and, and, and it didn't work out. You know, I'm not that. Right. You know, I'm, not a, I'm not a global superstar. Um, and, and yet I've had a long-term career in the music industry and that's something that a lot, a lot of people can actually get to happen. So right. it's like, what is success? Now it's not actually as sort of obvious as it used to be because it used to just be rich and famous Mm -hmm. but it's not that now no it's far from that like you have (laughs) to like be able to have the work ethic the hustle as well as understanding the ability to work in different areas like in and like not chameleonize yourself but like more so is be 
be tangible and like be teachable because if you go into the music industry, you have to understand that you're not going to only be playing guitar. You're going to be doing so much more yeah. things as, yeah. it, as you're going through, whether you're doing the roadie, whether you're doing the booking, whether you're doing tours and like merch. Like there's so many different areas of just in those four areas that you have to learn how to create things that are either going to be t-shirts or they're going to be hats or they're going to be, how do I talk to people about getting things booked or how do I get from point A to point Z and go cross country or get in that kind of like global state of understanding exactly like, how to go to different places. So like, yeah, people never go in. Well, they shouldn't go into the, the music industry thinking that they're going to do one thing. They have to be agile as well as they have to like have a tact in a way of understanding that they're signing up to wear 10 different hats all the time. Right. And you have to like have a grace about that, like a ballerina to be yeah. able to like understand that, you are moving with such intensity, but also you're moving in such a, a way that it doesn't even look like it's work because you're doing it so fluidly. Yeah, and, and to understand that it's not always gonna be fun and it's not always gonna be right. easy. Um, I mean, something that, that's true about me is that I, I actually really like the, the job, you know, like, mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I kind of actually almost, I almost like the bad times in a funny way because I feel like I'm on a, on a journey, you know, it's going, I'm going somewhere. So, I know some really, really good musicians who just don't have it in them to be on tour, to, to do the mm. long van, the van drives and the crappy hotels and stuff. Yeah. And that stuff is, that stuff can be really hard, you know? So you have to right. have the, you have to kind of rewire your brain to be okay with it, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And, and of course, you know, most artists are going to load their own gear into the venue and they're going to be having to do their own accounts. And I mean, oh. to, if you're that kind of artist that can just float in your swimming pool or someone else does it all, you know, you're, I mean, that's so unbelievably rare now that it's almost not worth talking about, you know? Yeah. So I, I, somewhere in the past, and I think it was through a couple of, like I remember seeing the Buddy Holly show live, a, a stage yeah. show when mm -hmm. I was a kid. And, and that for some reason put a seed in my brain about like the, the life, you know, they, within the play, <laughs> these musicians went and did a radio spot and they went to the studio when they were rehearsing and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, the behind the scenes was really exciting to me, you know? And when I saw the movie, The Commitments, remember that yep. movie? Yep. Yeah. It's a great one. Yes. Yeah. And I saw, and like they're going through that auditioning process and mm -hmm. everything. I'm like, the life, the life is really <laughs> exciting, you know? <laughs> and, and, and that's the same. Like the, the, when I'm working really hard and I'm at the end of my, um, my energy and I'm, totally yeah. fatigued and all the rest of it and you know sometimes you just want to totally give up and that sometimes it's miserable mm -hmm. um but but overall it's still the greatest journey you know right. and, and that's still totally inspiring to me yeah and i think it's like if you can maintain a posture and a place where you're like hey like this is the hard times but like let's remember the good times too and like also yeah. like the hard times are going to fully push you into the better times because if you can yeah. like look at it as like a learning curve of okay, like I, this sucks right now, but what have I gone through? Like I've gone through a session, like you said before, like, which was a right. really huge catapult for you to move forward and to understand like that you're going all into this. And then you actually like have like the grit, the, the willpower, as well as the desire to like continue to, to fight for it, to be in the music industry for over 15 years. Like that's amazing. Yeah. Well, because, the, the, the alternative is to do nothing. Yeah. You, you can, know, you can go back to school. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what, that's, what, that's what I always think of. If it's like, you know, so if it's like three in the morning and I'm totally, you know, 
worn out and whatever and feeling miserable or whatever. Yeah. That's the voice. That's the voice in my head that goes, "Yeah, but the alternative was nothing. The alternative was to stay home and watch TV, wishing that I was doing something cool like being out on the road, you know." Right. And I, I had a similar moment at the Eric Clapton support show we did, where I launched into this guitar solo. It was my first solo of the night, and I played the first few notes, and then there was a pause, and I looked up, and there was like twelve thousand people in front of me, and the voice in my head went, "You're playing a guitar solo at an Eric Clapton concert." Concert, and then the next voice was like what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> because I thought, like, like, everyone in the room knows who Eric Clapton is and has paid money to come and see one of the greatest guitar players in history. Yeah. And, and now you're on stage, like a numpty, trying to play a solo. And, <laughs> what are you and doing here now? <laughs> what are you doing here? And I just remember having this conversation in my head, like, you know, you could have just stayed home. Like, no one forced you to do this. You know, you could have just stayed at home and watched TV and like watched some reality show and commented on how much that person's an idiot or whatever, instead of walking out on a big stage, but you know, before one of the most important guitar players in the world yeah. and then played the guitar, like that's ridiculous. All this conversation happened in about a split second. And, and then the other voice kicked in was like, shut up, you've done the work, you've practiced, you know what you're doing, forget about it, just get on with the job. And yeah. we did the job and the show went well and it all was great, you know. Right. But there, there are those moments where you kind of go, this is absurd, but the alternative is to not live your life. And I'm Which is even more that. absurd. That's, like, that's more absurd. Exactly. <laughs> that's just that's right. stupidity right there to like just quit and to like not have any kind of desire to move forward or to like have progress as a artist or as a business or as a person because, you know, like we can either – have purpose or we can just be existing which is like my biggest fear is just to, just to be existing in the That's world right. like having no like nowhere to go and i'm like gosh like that can i can feel like that during a quarantine i'm like shoot like i can feel that i'm existing at some moment so i'm like okay i need to like actually be and like actually understand that i am okay to just be okay and to be but yeah. also like understanding that like i want to learn i want to grow and connect and like take opportunities and advantage of this time because yeah yeah like this is a great opportunity for things like podcasting to happen or things exactly. like writing or things just like on the social media platform because there's a lot of people that are still just out there watching tv and they're just like just being and they're existing and i'm like okay like well if they're gonna choose to exist i'm gonna choose to go and be part of their day whether it's yeah. on a social platform or if it's in their ear or whatever it looks like and i want to like just like continue to spread the word around and let marketing do its thing when people are just so stuck to their phone, like right. it's going out of it's going out of style right now for them. I, I think it's also important to say that it's okay to fail, and it, and in, in this kind of I, in this kind of conversation, um, you know, we're talking about a lot of the sort of interesting career points. Um, yeah, but we're not talking about the gigs that I didn't get, you know, and the the opportunities that fell away. And you know, remember that time where I was sitting there and I was drinking too much and you know everything was going <laughs> right. wrong and I didn't have a gig for two months and you know we're not talking about those dark times and um you know for all of these great moments there's a lot more moments that aren't good but, it, yeah. but it's it's okay if people want to pursue something you know you've got to allow yourself to fail yeah you know, I think it's, it's a really good point for people to hear because yeah. we as a culture we we just like expect things to go so clean and so clear all the time and I'm like okay like people have to fail a lot to like be able to create one good thing right so if we allow ourselves to fail 
Like if we don't allow ourselves to fail once, we're not going to get anywhere. If we just say, okay, that, I've had it. That's good. Like, no, like we have to allow ourselves to actually fail because failing is learning and failing Absolutely. is as a posture of understanding that like, just because it didn't happen this way, there's always another way. Like you said, when you were going to look at the statue, Dave, you're like, looking at that three hour line was in your mind failing. You're like, I'm not going to go in that line. I want to go and figure out another way to go in this. That's right. Because yeah. If I was standing there, I would feel like I'm failing in my, my time, my way of life. Like, and you wanted to be like, Hmm, let me think about this and go to a different way and looking at it hmm. from a different like perspective and like, Hey, like there's actually a way I can pay 20, $20 to go and get right into the place and then get out in like 30 minutes and enjoy it and be like, boom, that was it. Yeah. And like a lot of, a lot of times people don't want to look at it. They want to like think of it in the black and white when we have to understand that the gray is where we allow ourselves to actually like succeed. And the black and white is just like that, that those points of failure where we, we look at it and like, Oh, like if everything was black and white, it would, life would really be really boring. Yeah. It would be like not an enjoyable to like actually be a creative or to be a person because I feel like in the, in the gray spaces where the, that's where the conversation happens. That's where the life happens. That's where we actually get to adapt and learn and grow as humans. Right. And understand what we, what makes us who we are. And like, it's yeah. such a beautiful picture of like the beauty of life. I, so, I think, um, I think also, you know, fear of failure causes people to fail before they're failed. <laughs> and what I, what, what I mean by that is that if you're so afraid of failing that you don't try, you've already failed before you've, you, before yep. you've actually you've gotten to the point where you do fail, you know? <laughs> so totally. you, 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 it's, it's important to understand that that's actually part of the process. Like you said, failure is learning. And mm -hmm. when you go and play, play a gig that doesn't work for whatever reason, you, you come away from it and it hurts. And sometimes it, oh, hurts. yeah. Yeah, it can hurt for a while. Um, but eventually you try and collect it back together and you go, what can I do differently next time to, to, to stop that happening again? You know, and then if you do that gig after gig after gig, as I'm sure you know, you just get better at your job and the rate of failure starts to decrease. It's the same right. in, I think it's the same in business. So many people who are successful in business talk about you know, experiences in the past where they've lost other businesses and things have gone wrong. Mm -hmm. I haven't lost my business before, but I've had, I've had things go wrong for sure. Oh yeah. Um, but again, you know, and again, it hurts and you can slip into a bad, bad headspace for a while and you eventually mm -hmm. you get your, you get your clarity back and you go, what can I do differently to, to stop that happening again or to make better decisions? So you've got to rethink failure as a concept. You know, it's a stepping stone. It's not, it's not the end of anything. And right. it shouldn't, it shouldn't stop you getting started. Right, exactly. I think that's like what the most important thing for people to understand is it's a concept, it's a way to learn how to better yourself. Because if we if we just perfected it, like at the very beginning, then we wouldn't be grateful for it. So it also produces gratitude. It produces like this grateful place where we're like, hey, like I had to go through all this crap to get to this point. And like, I'm, I didn't just get this given to me. So yeah. you actually take a lot more pride into it. And you also like treat it as, as such a way of like, Hey, like I had to work for this and like, that's a very important piece of it. So I can like be grateful for the work that I've done as well as be grateful for the things that I've learned so that uh, I can yeah, exactly. like continually yeah. like, give out. Hey Danny, we, we have been going for a long time. This is awesome. Man. Like, <laughs> and I just like, I know we can keep on going for a while and I think we should definitely do a, another uh, episode together. I would I just, love to. I just know that people tend to like start to sidetrack after like about a little over an hour or so. Yeah, yeah. So we're not losing 
the traction and this conversation can easily go for probably two more hours because being in the music <laughs> industry and to be able to just hear both of our experiences and be able to just share and hear your life is so great. So I really appreciate it as well as um, if people want to reach out to you and they want to like hear more of your stuff, like where can they find you uh, via social media, via like email yep. or however, however you prefer people to reach out to you? Well, my my website, dannymacrum.com and it's okay. uh, mccrum.com. Um, okay. Uh, you can contact me through there and I'm on I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram as well and the podcast is called Don't Give Up Your Day Job um, and that, that's also don'tgiveupyourdayjob.com and it's all over um, sorry one thing happened here just make sure I'm sort of funny so it's it's all over um, uh, you know Spotify and all of our favourite places oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but between yeah between Instagram Facebook the website um, and and the streaming platforms if you can't find me that's not my problem but um yeah, <laughs> but but no i, I really uh, i really have enjoyed um chatting to you and, and i and it's nice to meet another like-minded person in our business yeah. and i really i really commend you for the work you're doing because i think it's really important and fantastic so yeah i do appreciate that so much man and we'll definitely have to have you back on here again and i hope that we can find some uh support from spotify after this but if not <laughs> it's not the end of the world we will be we'll be okay we'll be more than okay so exactly. Spotify to drop us off it's not the end of the world so maybe they can maybe they can endorse the episode you know we might be able to, <laughs> they might be able to flick us 25 cents or something you know <laughs>